Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Call to Action podcast. Today is Thursday, October 22nd, and we have a very special in-house guest with us today, uh, Bob Generelli uh, from our office. Bob, how are you? And thanks for joining us today. I'm doing great. Always good to be with you guys. Well, we've had a, a very, I would say, complicated and exciting few weeks uh, here, in the, here in the MAC office, and you yep. were at the, the forefront of it, I would say. Just talk about, I guess, to start things off, just the initial reaction of football coming back and, and how that's affected your life. It's always exciting. I mean, you, 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 you miss it. I mean, this part, this time of year, it's it, football's in your DNA and you want to be, you want to be part of it. And, uh, and it's felt strange. I'm sure it has for you guys to sit on a couch and watch it. And this is what we do for a living, but we're not doing it. So, uh, so it, it's, 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 it's helped to be able to watch games now, knowing that we're going to be having games uh, here in less than two weeks. So that part's exciting. Um, uh, trying to manage how you, how you plan, stage, and execute a college football game in the COVID era is quite interesting. And, um, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, there's no guarantees. There are no, there are no certainties. All you can do is be as proactive as you can, knowing that at some point in time, you're going to have to be reactive because the, you're forced to be based on what the virus is doing. I think we're doing all the right things. Uh, we're testing four times a week, which is uh, which is more than any other conference other than the Big Ten and Pac-12, which are both both testing seven days a week. Um, our student athletes understand what it means and uh, what's at stake, and um, and our our institutions are lining things up the right way. We're 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 putting thing, COVID-19 protocols in place in our facilities and. Um, you know, fingers crossed it all, you know, the stars align and we can do it, but it, it truly is a week to week thing. For those that, you know, joining the podcast and listening, Bob handles all, all things externally when it comes to football and uh, does that has been doing it for years upon years. Sorry to date you there, Bob, but uh, sure. even, you know, you've been, been doing it a long time. And from your perspective, I mean, clearly for all of us, it's something that we've uh, not dealt with in any of our careers uh, this I mean across the country it's not just a Mac thing from the moment I mean we it just seems well it seems like years ago that we were sitting all in the office uh, postponing the season yep. and then bringing it back from your perspective and just uh, on a personal level well, how's just that roller coaster been you you mentioned watching the games on TV and all that stuff but from that moment you know in that week leading up to the, the postponement to bringing it back to now really trying to fit the puzzle pieces together to make it all work. It's been a huge emotional roller coaster because you're, we're, we're all, all of us, we're so invested in what we do and how we do it. And it's, and it's why we do it because of that investment. Um, it's, it's, it, I will tell you when we pulled the plug on August 8th, that was a hard day um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't doubt the decision or question the decision at the time, but it was a hard decision and it was, and it was something that it took a few days to wrap my arms around that we're not going to be playing college football this year. Um, and to know how much work we'd all put into trying to play college football and just sports in the fall in general, from the time we, sh from the time we walked out of rocket mortgage field house on Thursday, March 12th, when we canceled the Mac men's and women's basketball tournaments, I, you know, all I could do is look in the mirror and go, I've never worked this hard and felt like I've accomplished nothing. Um, so you know, you, 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 you've got that void and you're trying to figure out and then, then you just, you regroup. And all of a sudden the focus was, okay, we're going to play in the spring. How do we make that happen? And there's, there's 
four weeks of that. And all of a sudden, wow, we're, we're going we're gonna to try to play in the fall again. So now you take those four weeks of spring football and put it back on the back burner and go, okay, that's work that probably will never see the light of day. But that's okay because it's, it's, we could be playing in the spring again or in the fall again. And, and that makes it exciting. But then, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room was we had pretty much about a week to figure out how we were going to test. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a dilemma that we couldn't figure out in the six months leading up to the cancellation, but we somehow figured it out in a week. And, um, and, that, and that's exhilarating and scary all at the same time. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just been a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I've been doing this a very long time, as you said. Um, I don't feel like I've ever worked as hard as I've worked and still don't know if all that work is going to see the light of day. Uh, I'm hopeful. We're all hopeful. Um, and we're doing it for all the right reasons, but it's, um, every day it's something new. And, and I consider, we all consider ourselves very proactive and, and, uh, getting out ahead of the curve, but we're in a world now where you're going to have to be preactive and you're going to have to accept it. And, uh, and, and, um, we settled way back in the spring and I truly think it's, it's, it's a, it's the phrase that pays when it comes to uh, COVID. We all have to get to a point where we're going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because that's just where it's going to be. And um, do the best you can, manage it the best way you can, be as proactive as you can, but always have a plan B and sometimes C and D. Well, speaking of being proactive, one of your big jobs that, that, that you do is creating a football schedule. Yes. And we, we know we know that that's a, a, a tall task in any normal conference office for one person to manage, but you've, you know, had to go at it with six game schedules to nine and one game schedules. I mean, what's that, what's that been like? And, and what's the process you've kind of go, went through to make it happen? I think the biggest thing is you got to get to a place where, what are you going to do? What's your model going to be? Um, you know, we talked about, you know, you guys were part of the conversations. We talked about it before we 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 pulled the plug on August 8th of, well, maybe we just do what everybody else is doing. We just go to a conference-only schedule. Okay, well, that's an eight-game model. What does that look like? Um, <clears throat> and how do we reinvent that? Um, <clears throat> and then when we, we decided to cancel or postpone until spring, then what does a spring schedule look like? Is it, is it six games? Is it eight games? Um, and we're kind of getting to that place where we thought we, we had an idea and then, uh, then we, we, we just said, we're gonna bring it back in the, in the fall. So I think the biggest challenge of the fall was how many realistically, how many weeks could we have and how many games could we play, giving our schools enough lead time to get ready. Um, and, and that's where our medical advisor group came in and they, they really were influential in, in, in determining how to ramp it back up. Because again, our kids haven't been doing much anything. I mean, they were in a 12 hours of CARA and you know, individual skill sessions, but they weren't hitting, they weren't in pads. Um, you know, there were a lot of soft tissue injuries. And so the medical group's recommendation was, you know what, six games is the best. And uh, let's, let's play a six game max schedule and give our kids five weeks to ramp it back up. So that's where we landed. And when you go six games and you go, okay, it's five and one, well, who's your crossover? Well, then you start managing, who did you play? We have permanent crossovers. At the end of the day, I think we landed in a really good place. Um, and um, I like the opening weekend of the crossovers. I like um, we're playing some, you know, rivalry games there, a Miami Ball State, a Bowling Green Toledo, um, you know. And then 
you know, we're playing a game there to open the season that on ESPN, that could be a preview of the championship game, Ohio and central Michigan. So, um, you know, all in all, I think we landed in a good place. Um, and, you know, people say, well, it's only six games. That couldn't be too hard. The version we announced was version six of our six game schedule. Yeah. So it's never ever as easy as it seems or looks. Um, but you always want to make sure that you got a three and th- you got to be three and three. Um, you want to make sure that repeat games, if they were on the road last year, they're home this year, or vice versa. Like we we had five of the six crossovers were existing crossovers from the original 2020 schedule, but one wasn't because we have two permanent crossovers we can't we can't um, deviate from. So I had to create a new crossover. And that one was Eastern Kent State. Well, I had to make sure that that game was at Kent State because last year Kent State ended the season at Eastern Michigan. So those are little nuances that you gotta you've got to manage and be aware of. So everybody lands three and three, and you don't have um, a head coach or student athletes or a university president going. Wait a minute, we played them on the road last year. Why are we playing them on the road again this year? Yeah. Well, one thing when we released the schedule that is definitely apparent, especially on social media, is. Uh, you know, we're starting things off the right way and our brand and starting things out on the midweek. Yep. And I think people are very excited about that. We had Coach Leipold on last week, two weeks ago now. Um, and, you know, he, he was a big fan of it. I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the partnership that we have with ESPN and to your point, uh, the fact that we were able to get that first game, Ohio and Central Michigan on ESPN, we have you know, pretty much all of November, people are going to see, be seeing a lot of uh, action during the week. Uh, you know, speak to that and just how kind of exciting it is that we're starting on that note. Um, and it really speaks to our brand. It's, it's Maction in reverse. Usually I'm, I'm struggling to get us into the midweek coming out of Saturday. So honestly, I'll, I mean, it, it was easier to start midweek. I wish we could do it that way every year. Uh, <laughs> it was easier to start midweek and cycle into Saturdays. Uh, but it's who we are, and uh, and and it's and it's fun to, to see the windows of opportunity we have, um, you know, and 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 basically we're going to play six games midweek for three straight weeks, and only two of those games are going to be on digital platforms. So I mean, we're playing eighteen games midweek, and and sixteen of them are on linear platforms between ESPN, ESPN two, ESPNU, and CBS Sports Network. So that's exciting. That we're, we're front and center. We're going to own. We're going to be college football, and and I think the thing that makes the midweek action so so much fun is the fact that we are the story, and not just when the game's being played, but on Sports Center that night and highlight shows, and the next morning, and on and on social and on websites. So we are the college football story for 24 to 48 hours, and and that's a fun thing to be yeah. um, for our kids, for our programs, for our institutions, um, and. When you do the schedule, it, you take a little pride in the fact that you're front and center. You know what, what we're doing is being noticed, and and people are watching it, and um, and it, and it's resonating. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, the real reason we brought you out here, I know we could talk uh, college football all day with you, but the real reason we brought you on was because you and I have started a new venture together, yes, and it has uh, it has taken over. Uh, both of our time, I would say, yes, uh, in, in the best way, in the best way. Um, talk about our, our new esports venture, esports collegiate, kind of how it came to existence and, and what, what the process was. I know it was a, a long two-year two year thing, 
Um, but just kind of bring the people up to speed and, and how that got accomplished. Well, it was a two-year journey. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's, um, I think it was, um, it, it was a brainchild of the commissioners um, based on the fact that it was, um, it's, a, it's a growing landscape and, and it really has, um, it, it's on the radar of our institutional presidents from a standpoint of just um, recruitment, student recruitment, student retention, um, recruitment of STEM kids, um, all those things that, uh, that are important to university presence uh, and what it means to their institutions um, from an academic side. And it was already happening on campuses anyway, you and Eric, Eric as you and I know. Yeah. I mean, we had club sport teams created that were playing in national tournaments. Um, and I think as, as, as our institutions, Miami being the flag bearer for the Macs, for Mac institutions, even though it's not under the Mac umbrella, um, you know, Miami was a player in the space early on, um, and they, they kind of helped drive the bus on um, the creation of eSports Collegiate, which we felt like it was important that Mac institutions were the founding fathers, so to speak, of eSports Collegiate, but at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't under Mac, the Mid-American Conference, because none of us feel that eSports Collegiate should or could be folded into under the athletics model because it's a very different animal um, in a lot of ways. So uh, the biggest challenge was getting everybody on the same page to understand they all want structure, they all want um, um, uh, uniformity and, and consistency and continuity when it's convenient. And and but at the same time, esports still has a uh, a pretty good wild wild west element to it that they they there's lots out there that you can participate in. Um, regionally and nationally. So, you know, we just made it clear that if we were going to do this venture, that the number and priority of the institutions participating and committing to eSports Collegiate was that the games they committed to, they would commit to those schedules first before they did anything else from a competition standpoint. And I think once we got there, it made life a lot easier making the whole thing happen. Um, and then it was just getting to the right place on when we would start it and the game titles we would look at. And uh, I think we, we landed in the right place. Uh, I'm not going to say the timing was great starting in the, starting in October when we're, when we're bringing the talk, we just brought back football to try to launch an esports collegiate fall rocket league schedule, but we have, we did it. Um, I'm not going to say it was seamless and I'm not going to say there weren't some bumps, but um, we're two weeks in, right? Yep. Two weeks in fully now. No. And uh, when, when, this is a thir this is a Thursday, so it's week three tonight. Yep. So, and the thing, I, I have a question for both of you because uh, I'm in the dark on a lot of this. I mean, the <laughs> last time I touched a video game, well, I guess it wasn't too long ago, and I play a couple games on my phone here and there when I'm sitting around. But um, I'm I'm uh, out of the space. I don't know too much about esports. So I mean, I know the general stuff. But my question to both of you is. What have you learned from um, being in the esports space to this point? And Eric, I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, you go first, Eric. Oh man, you well, you cut you caught me off guard. I mean, the 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 main thing to to me is that a lot of people don't know how much hard work yeah. and and you know I don't I don't know the right word, but. But you passion. know, hard work. Yeah, yeah, and dedication involved in these and, kids and, and what they do and why they do. With not with not only playing the games, but being able to put on a successful, yeah. um, you know, league. 
And Bob and I have, I think, learned this firsthand. You know, there's a lot of moving parts to this whole thing, whether it's streaming or, or roster sizes or scholarship funds that are, that are being allocated to students, you know. It, it makes a big difference to these kids. And, and it's a true passion of a lot of people and, and it brings people to certain universities, as we've seen. I mean, it's a huge recruitment tool yes. um, for what we've been trying to do, um, not only as eSports Collegiate, but for our membership. So I think that's the that's the that's honestly the biggest thing that I've learned. Yeah. I would agree. Where are you, Bob? Teach me something. I think, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is there was a reason we took it outside the athletics model. And for us, it's easily, we easily default to the athletic athletics model. So I've, I've had to learn really, really clearly define what I, when I'm, when we're working on esports collegiate, we've got to, we've got to take the athletics classes off. Now, sometimes the models and the, and what we do on the athletic side is appropriate and does, does, uh, does apply. But a lot of times it's nowhere near applicable to anything we're trying to do. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me was, understanding navigating the game titles and the game publishers and the power that those entities have over what you play and how you play it and who you play it against and um can you get in is there a national championship involved can you get involved can you get an automatic into that so there are a lot of of the athletics pieces to it that i don't think people understand um but i think there are a lot of pieces that that um that we had to learn about um you know, roster sizes, um, um, you know, scheduling, uh, you, you know, you, you just don't say, okay, we're going to play a round robin and do this. I mean, we're still going through some issues with the rocket league schedule. We're trying to work out some of the bugs in it. Um, and do you do it on your own? And if you are, if you do, how does that, how is that built as opposed to partnering with, um, you know, partnering with somebody like riot games for league of legends or play VS for rocket league, like we're going to overwatch is one of our games. We're going to have to do that on our own because Blizzard doesn't do that. So yeah. knowing the nuances and learning the nuances of game publishers, what they offer, what they don't offer and what you're going to have to, where you're going to fit in between what they offer and what they don't offer. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, uh, those are two very good answers because I think a lot of people just think esports like a bunch of guys go into a room, sit at a computer and, uh, play a game and it's way 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 more than that oh, so oh god these yeah. these these arenas that these these institutions have are insane yeah they yeah. really are and and you know we had to come up with minimum minimum criterias or standards for gaming so everybody would be on a level playing field and that's down to bandwidth uh speed of processors on computers <laughs> uh resolution of monitors right what else eric there were a bunch yeah, of yeah no I, like you said uh, arena size or whatever yeah. i mean there's a ton of stuff um well we did see our our first um addition i guess you could say yes. to esports e collegiate this past week um with the addition of northeastern university which we're very excited about and my question to you bob i know we've seen a lot of progress over the past two years with this whole venture but where do you see esports collegiate going in the next year and then maybe five years? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, I think the presidents want to have institutions with um, a lot of commonality as they view it, um, you know, academically um, and, um, and also 
from a commitment standpoint of what, what they want to do with their esports program and the goals and objectives of it. I do think at the end of the day, um, the home run for us would be if as a conference, we could attract some of the big 10 institutions into the fold, uh, because not only does that make sense from a standpoint of they're in our backyards, but also the cachet that you can say you're competing at a conference um, with an Ohio State, with a Michigan, with a Northwestern, a Michigan State. Uh, but I also think because of the nature of esports and you don't have to be in any one place to compete, you could bring in some of the some some of the nationally known esports schools and programs that you know you necessarily wouldn't think of, like a University of Utah, um, um, you know, uh, some ACC schools. Uh, I think the, the our competition committee's talked about you know Robert Morris, which is which was a leader in the esports. Um, field and then uh, early on. So I, I do think probably their strength in numbers. I do think probably 24 to 36 is, is a realistic and doable number. Um, I think within by this time next year, hopefully we'll be, you know, 15, 16, maybe 18. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's also going to be a lot of peer recruitment uh, by our institutions and, um, and them seeing what we're doing and how we're doing it. And more importantly, how our, our institutions fair in the national competitions in all three of those game titles. And my question, just to end this kind of on a lighter note is, uh, I, I don't know, you know, if you've played many video games uh, in your, in your uh, career there, Bob. Ooh, me? But, no. <laughs> you know, there, there, is there, is there not one game that you could play that you could compete in? Me? Yeah. I would love to do Madden. Madden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You'd love to do Madden, but you've never played Madden. I've just... seen people play Madden, and I think I could. <laughs> never played. What about you, Eric? Would you have a go-to game? Yeah, I think. I mean, it would have to be a sports game for me, right? I mean, I don't. I I haven't gotten into League of Legends or anything like that. I have dabbled in Rocket League a little bit, but not as okay. much to where I could compete. I would have to say I would go probably FIFA. Would be oh, FIFA. Okay. FIFA would be a good one, and we yeah. and as as a competition committee, we talked about potentially a sports game and the response we got was, yeah, we don't have a lot of interest in that from our students on campus. <laughs> yeah, I'd, be, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be along with you guys. I mean, the last game I played uh, on, a, on a normal basis was the NCAA football game. Right, so, I would do, if they brought that back, I'd do that one too. Okay, yeah, that what, about, what, what about PGA golf, Jeremy, if we brought in, if we brought in golf? Yeah, hey, yeah. you know it, you know, I'd rather be out on the actual course, but I, I could do it, I could do it. <laughs> Sure. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all really cool to hear about for sure. And it's, it's fun to talk about and, you know, to, to, to have a chance and get these kids on campus doing again, something just like we talk in the athletic world, right. um, something that they're really passionate about and to bring that into the, to fold um, is, is really cool. To, Eric to and I had the perfect solution. We couldn't get our schools there on the East, on the esports collegiate side. When we, when we pulled the plug on August 8th, we, we threw out to our guy, the competition committee said, let's, uh, let's everybody get a Madden team and then we'll go to ESPN and say the midweek matching windows, we'll just make the Madden games. We'll put them on ESPN two and ESPN. Yeah. Well, didn't they do that with basketball for a they while? Did. Like, did it started the uh, pandemic. We had, we had yeah. No yeah. Oh, that's, that's I'd watch that for sure. It's way better than no a lot takers. of things on TV right now. <laughs> that's great. Well, Bob, we really appreciate you coming on with us today, speaking a little bit about college football and of course, esports collegiate. Um, yeah, we appreciate your time and, and thanks for coming on.
it's always fun and let's let's hope uh november 4 is a is a good night as we play uh six games at night and i believe as espn's talk they're i believe they're going to brand it mac mayhem awesome sounds good i love it gotta love a little mac mayhem on a wednesday night mac well, mayhem we on a wednesday night again bob can't beat it yep take care. all right guys take care thanks All right, we would now like to move on to our taking action segment of today's podcast. Two very special guests with us today. We have Abigail Huser, Gail Huser, right? We'll go with Gail for this, yeah. uh, from Miami Volleyball, and Cam Lyons from Akron Football. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, thanks for joining us today. Doing pretty doing good. Good. Yeah. Good. We'll start with this uh, since we're both always doing these Zoom calls now. We'll we'll kind of direct the questions to each of you. Um, but first, and Gail, we'll go to you. Um, back on campus, uh, the transition, the uncertainty, everything going around the roller coaster, we'll call it. How have you been dealing with it personally, and just kind of getting back into classes and and getting, I guess, into a sense of normalcy, as much as that is. You know, how are you dealing with things? Um, I guess you sort of have to take every day, one day at a time. You might be hit with your teammates are in the dorm and their floors on purple. They can't come to practice or your trainer gets COVID or your physical therapist gets COVID. So you have to be just very flexible and just take whatever's coming at you. And Cam, how about you? You know, it's been good getting back into a sense of normalcy. And as we know, the football is back in the Mac. So life is good now. We're happy with that. And, uh, no, it's been good. It's a lot of guys have gotten close. Obviously, we can't go out and do much. So we've been hanging in our tight little circle and we really formed a lot of good relationships through COVID. Sure. And Cam, just to follow up on that, you know, take us through. I, I mentioned the roller coaster to Gail, but, you know, football postponed and you have to wait. And there's a big push out of everyone and really across the nation, uh, not just our conference, but everyone just like, hey, give us a chance to do this. And I know Gail, you would, you would want to do the same thing, but championships, NCAA championships were moved to the spring. So yeah. it all makes sense. Cam, like how, how is that kind of the, the postponement and then bringing it back? Just take us through that, that ride from, from your point of view. You know, when it was postponed, I mean, everyone was, we were pretty upset. It was the day that we were having meetings to start camp and we were practicing that next morning and, we got a little lunch break and we got called back early and we're like, Oh, we know it's going to, we know it's going to happen. And you know what? It was hard. You had to turn it off and go into an off season mode really quick. And really you felt like, Oh, my training's gone to waste of the, the mental attitude going into camp. You have to have a very strong attitude. It's a rough grueling month. So to turn that off and to turn it back on, turning going on has actually been easier because you got it back and it's kind of been like that honeymoon phase where you're like okay yeah we're good to go now we got it <laughs> that's great well outside of sports you guys got to take part in a, a really special thing this week um our taking match and summit it was a three-day summit. we had to do it virtually unfortunately this year um but yeah we'll start with you just kind of take us through some of your favorite parts of the summit and and what you got out of it I really like the breakout room aspect. I know on the first day we were talking about our experience during quarantine and all the days off that we had. And I got to talk to different people in different positions from different institutions. And that was really um, 
like eye-opening to hear from different perspectives and also like different conferences as well, how they were taking it in. Um, and then I wasn't able to make it on Tuesday. I had physical therapy, but um, yesterday we got to talk with our institutions and that was like nice to like bring it all back together and talk through the things that we all have experienced like through the same uh, university. And it was really nice for like the different topics too. Some of them are hard to talk about, like being vulnerable and saying, I had a hard time, like not being away from volleyball. That was the longest I had been on volleyball since I was like eight years old. I was like, what do I do? Like I've been had, I've had my day planned out since I was like 10. You wake up at eight, go to class, you're done at practice at eight. And then I have all this time. And I'm like, mom, let's go do something. Come on. And she's like, Abigail, just relax. Like, just relax. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this mom. But, um, it was really nice to like, just sort of take a moment and talk to like many different people about that. And then also we on uh, Wednesday, we talked about like leadership and that was very important too. Like how have you been a leader throughout this? And I am a captain on the team. I talked about my experiences through that as well. So it was very eye opening, and I really loved it. That's awesome. And Cam, what about you? Well, thanks Gail for taking everything out of my mouth. But <laughs> you know what? No, I love the summit. It's actually, a, it's a great experience. You get to see a lot of familiar faces from a lot of schools. I mean, a lot of our COSA reps are on there. So it's cool to connect with them again and uh, be in a different setting. And it's also cool, like Abigail said, the breakout rooms. And that third day I know was with our own school. And I couldn't make the first day we had practice, unfortunately, in the morning. But um, it was cool in that second day that I attended. You got to be with people from other schools. And I really feel like that makes it a more comfortable aspect because you get to know other people. And I mean, I remember my first summit, I came in and I was like, I don't know anybody, like what's going on. And I mean, everybody open welcomes you with open arms and you make a, you make a lot of great friends through that. Sure. Eric, do you remember the first time that we met before you got hired, what we did? That's kind of what we did, right? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Just just a, just a full afternoon at a Mexican restaurant. You can, you know, that's that's how we handled things. But yeah. hey, you got to open. We won't, we won't count the number of margaritas. <laughs> with, with, with open arms, though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't get to know, it's it's kind of to Cam's point. You don't know someone all that well, and it's great to just get involved. And and that's that's just life as a whole. Just yeah. uh, talking to people and getting their experiences and getting to know them. I think that this world. Uh, would be in a little bit of a better place if we kind of took more of that uh, angle of things. So, you know, this is the fifth year that we've done the Taking Action Summit. Uh, we've uh, obviously had the chance to be there in person, and it's a great event for you guys to be able to do that even in the breakout rooms and uh, to, to still get sort of the same experience uh, out of it is really cool. What My next question is just, and Cam, we'll start with you. What does it mean to you to... Um, to have a student athlete voice and you're, you're so prominent in the Mac structure when it, when it comes to COSA and just having kind of that, that voice amongst all of you guys. You know, I think it's really powerful and uh, we, we really get to have an insight on a lot of the decisions made and voice our opinion. And COSA has actually led me to another committee, which is the student athlete football oversight. And uh, as you guys know, Isaac Van. He just got put on there. So we have it's kind of like a SAC model for the NCAA, but mm -hmm. it, it's a very similar thing to COSA. So we get to talk about football rules, all of that. So it, it's been great because you get to experience a lot of new things. And especially me, I want to go into the sport management field. And you get a lot of insight into what's being talked about at the current time. 
Kia, how about you? I think it's just really cool to be in an area where everyone wants to succeed. Like everyone wants to learn, everyone wants to have an opinion, everyone wants to be involved. And that's just what like I'm all about. I'm a major in education. So like, I love all of that, all of those things. And I've been grown up to like either you, you eat dust or you make it. And so I really like to be in charge. And so just like being able to like voice my opinion, I'm a very outgoing person, if you couldn't tell, but through, even through Zoom. But um, it's just really nice to like have your voice heard. I know a lot of times, like whenever I would say, yeah, I'm committed to play volleyball D1 at Miami University and they're like oh well, they own you blah 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 that's like what you're always told throughout high school when you commit and it's just nice to, like have this spot in this place where like you don't feel owned like you have your opinion you can say what you think and there's no judgment because it's mostly also now that it's not like yeah like 20 hours is hard or like yeah we should have a day off to vote like things like that to be able to relate to is just really awesome. And, and speaking on that a little bit, being able to voice your opinion, what is, I guess, one thing you guys both learned from the summit that you can bring back to your institution and kind of implement into your everyday life? And Mikhail, we can start with you for this one. Something that I always love is the mental, the mental health aspect. Like, I think a lot of things are overlooked over on mental health, especially in athletes. Like, you're told, oh, you sprain your ankle, you break your finger, whatever, like be tough, rub some dirt on it or whatever. And like mental health is definitely a different aspect because you can't see it. And I think that bringing that into Miami has helped us so much in our psychology uh, department. We had um, like a test we got to take over the summer. We met with them at the beginning just to like make sure everything was okay. And I think that that's something I definitely take from COSA. And something else is that we all have our like institutions for um, like our student athletes. Ours is called Red Hawk Council. So it's like the athletes that help at Miami. It's nice to hear like the opinions of other like COSAs and the individual schools to see how they run things. And then we can implement that in our institution as well. And Cam, how about you? Yeah, I would have to say the mental health as well. I think it, it applies to everyone, believe it or not. I mean, it, it's tough being say a big football player or whatever. You, you would think that, oh, he doesn't ever have any problems. He doesn't struggle, but we, really you do. And I'm, a lot of us football players or other guys are like me. We don't let it show. And it really makes you learn how to be vulnerable and help your teammates be vulnerable. So in turn, learning about that helps you create a connection and helps you grow and helps you help other people open up and really just spill their heart out. And it, it, it really is a special thing to learn how to talk about mental health with others. No, and, and absolutely. I guess my follow-up to that, we had a full week last week of, of, you know, putting out things on social media about, about mental health. And we had a, a certain one with like Kevin Love and, and Michael Phelps. I mean, what does it mean to you guys to be able to see those type of people, prominent, prominent athletes, you know, go through some of that stuff? And, and what does it mean for the stigma of mental health? I guess I'll start. I, I mean, I, I think that you see a, two of the I mean, most known athletes in the U.S. that they struggle with it, and it really normalizes it. It makes you realize I'm not the only one going through this. And recently, it's helped a lot of other athletes come out because you're scared. You don't want to know. You don't want people to know how vulnerable you really are. And I feel like that's part of being an athlete that you've learned is be tough and it, it just helps you share and realize I'm not the only one that struggles with these things. I think it also highlights that like we're all people 
Like Michael Phelps can be a great swimmer, but at the end of the day, he has two feet in a heartbeat, just like me. And so it's like nice to like have those open eyes on that aspect. And then something else I think is those people are leaders, like they're leaders for the country and the Olympics on their team and the NBA and all of those things. And it shows that like, even as leaders, like you can be vulnerable or you can have your hard days. Like I'm a captain, I'm on Red X council, I'm on COSA. Like I have all these things where I'm supposed to look like I have my stuff together, but like some days I don't like some days I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is not a good day for me. And knowing that people that like are in the Olympics who have probably way more pressure than I do than worrying about my exam on Friday, that they have the same, um, like anxiety or like even depression or any other like mental health issue that they can have that too. It just makes me feel like I'm like no different. Like it's a normal thing, just like Cam said. And just two more questions here. So take all this stuff that you guys talk about on COSA and that you get during the summit. How do you guys relay that to, um, you know, other student athletes, not just on your team, but you clearly have friends probably in other sport programs or just on campus. Um, you know, how do, how do you get through to them and share some of this stuff, whether it's mental health or voter education or, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, how do you, how do you guys personally, and Gail, we'll start with you go about trying to, maybe get through to someone who isn't opening up or, or, you know, having a tough time with things. I think you just have to be brave. Like just to be able to even start those conversations takes a pretty good, like some courage. And I am very, I voice my opinion. I talk a lot. Um, Sometimes it might not take me because some people might be intimidated by that. And so I might have to be brave enough to ask somebody who relates to somebody else on a different team or even somebody on my team who could maybe get through to them better to talk about those conversations. Um, But I think just like knowing your place, like I, as you can tell, I am white. I am from Indiana. Um, I have tons of African-American friends, like my best friend in the whole entire world. She's African-American. And like, I'll just ask, I'll be like, dude, what's up? Like, can I help? Like, you have to like be vulnerable and say, you don't know, like, have I experienced issues with my friends? Yeah. But just being able to say like, I don't know, or I want to help also takes courage too. And I think that that's like the way to like get that door open or just even to talk about those things. Sure. Cam, what about you? No, I agree with that. And it's especially harder on being on a 105 plus man team. It's, you have select groups, whatever, but I, I really think that you do have to be brave and you have to know a couple people from every friend group or whatnot. And you start that conversation with one person, then they bring it to their group and then they bring it to their friend group. And it's just a a rolling ball from there that really wouldn't have started with, like Gail said, you have to be brave and start that conversation. And one conversation with one person can just make that ball roll and take it to hundreds. Sure. And the last question is Gail, it's something that you brought up kind of at the very start, but We've all been indoor. All of us have been going through this. This is a worldwide thing, clearly. Um, and you mentioned about having time to relax, which isn't your thing, but that like each of you just kind of ended with what's what's been kind of the silver lining for you. There's there's I mean, I find them. And I know Eric finds them. we talk about them a lot of this whole thing, whether it's just spending more time with your family or what have you like from the, the day this started on March we'll just call it March 12th. Cause that's when we canceled the basketball tournament um, until today. What are some positives that you've taken out of this whole year? Do you want me to go? Yeah, sure. 
Okay. Well, I have two. Well, I have way more than two, but this is the first two that come to mind. Um, my sister's getting married soon and I was able to like be home throughout that whole time to like help her get ready for the wedding. And like with, if I, everything was normal, I would have left and like the end of June and been like, see ya, sorry, good luck. Like I'm the maid of honor. Like I'm not like reading or anything. Like I'm it. <laughs> um, like we're only four years apart. So it was like fun to like help her plan and be a part of all those things in a wedding. And then something else that was uh, mentioned in our mental health summit too, was like beyond an athlete. I was like, holy cow, this is my life after volleyball. Like I'm a senior, like do I do puzzles all the time? Like, obviously I'll have a job, but like, do I paint, do I do paint by numbers? Do I walk my dog three times a day? So I sort of had like find myself and like try to be like known as not just, Oh, Abby Huser, she's the volleyball player. I had to like sort of find myself and think like, okay, so what are we going to do today? What do I like to do? What shows do I like to watch? What books do I like to read? So like just thinking about like my life after volleyball and what that can be was also uh, helpful as well. Sure. And what about you? No, I have to stay with the family part. That that was one of the most special times looking back on it now to be able to spend time with them. I mean, my sport, you're up here. I'm, I live away from school. I'm from Morgantown, West Virginia. So I'm about three hours away from home. And I get home sometimes every so often, especially, well, not during the season, but it was special to be home for those three months and just relax, spend time with my parents and really connect with them again kind of like it was you're back in high school and uh I mean you really appreciated it I mean it was relaxing waking up we had zoom meetings for football I'd wake up in the morning make a cup of coffee sit outside with the dog and just enjoy life yeah kind of took you back a little bit and was like okay like everything everything's good you're with the people you care about and that's all you can ask for no, it's it's absolutely true. I think, I mean, from both Eric and my standpoint, it, it lines up with that too. The amount of time I get to share with my kids, although, I mean, Abigail, if you want to, if you know, want to know what life is, I mean, after stuff, <laughs> waking up and having a uh, 10 minute argument on pancakes over waffles. And uh, then once that's decided and her, her brother or sister, um, has the other thing then they want the other thing and it's like a constant day of that like all day so oh, i'm the middle child trust yeah. me i know <laughs> i know <laughs> so that, that's that's like and then you got to like mix in work and stuff but that's like secondary but um no this this has been really good we we appreciate you guys jumping on with us it's it's great stuff it's great stuff that you guys are doing on cosa and being part of you know our whole taking action initiative no matter what the topic is, you guys as a group and um, are, are, you know, I know you have calls all the time and uh, involved in very many things and, and kind of making uh, all the important things that we should all be talking about known. So thank you for that. And thank you, uh, Gail and Cam for being on with us today. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate it.